With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is going on, everybody? It is episode 116 of the Sims and Left Go podcast. Oh, the Joe Montana. So that's actually really funny. So it's 100% the Joe Montana episode. There's no other 16 that's even close to him. Right. Jared Goff. In Waterboy, when he goes, Joe Montana, I said Joe Montana. Montana. I did not realize there was actually an actor called Joe Montana. And he's the guy on like the CSI or the NCISs or whatever it is. Oh, I, I, I don't even... You're, you're you, right. You didn't I, know. I no. thought it was a. I thought he was just kidding. I did too. I mean, I thought he was kidding too. You sure he was really referring I'm a, that person? Yes, I'm a hundred percent. I mean, I know Sam, the that's person. Joe Montana. Yeah, he was in. I don't even know. Yeah, he's in a lot of movies. He's a big actor. What is it? Criminal Minds. Criminal is the Minds show. says yeah. the pizza man. Yeah, Nick. Nick <laughs> in the studio. Uh, so Josh is going to be joining us in about I want to say twenty minutes, uh, and in about ten minutes we're going to have Nick Wright from uh, Fox Sports One. I went to college with the dude. We did radio together. Cool. He is dominating right now on FS1, and he is the leader of the LeBron James over Jordan movement. Come on, LeBron. Come on, LeBron. <laughs> Motherfucking come on. Oh, man. So that's like 100% the biggest story for the next two, three weeks. It's going to be the finals. And hopefully it lasts two to three weeks. Yeah. Uh, Memorial Day. What did you eat? I was thinking about this while I was crushing a hamburger. I'm like, Sims is eating. Are you eating brown rice and black beans on (laughs) Memorial Day? No. Memorial Day weekend is it is gross. Uh, Oh, I don't. Oh, I you don't feel get to disgusting. eat health. Yeah, you just feel disgusting. You really do. Uh, I, yeah, I did the whole thing: burgers, ribs, hot dogs, all weekend. Who long. was cooking all this? Gosh, uh, my dad on Saturday night. So Big Sunday Phil mans the grill. He does usually if we're all there together. What are, what are your thoughts? Uh, he's good. He flips the burgers too many times. You know what I mean? He's a little bit too active. Yes, and then, he likes, and then he likes to smush them. And I want to be like, Dad, you know so that's you're, you're the te- grease and all the good stuff you're squeezing. So out you're of telling there. me that he's awful at the grill. <laughs> He literally did the two things you're not supposed to do. I've had Flip better. It. I've had better. Wow. We need to have an intervention. Yeah, you can't tell him, though. You can't tell him. Well, he, I mean, you can't d- tell me nothing. He can't tell him when nothing. When I go to my dad when he's on the grill, everything is a lesson. Right. Now, Adam, you see what I'm doing here? <laughs> yeah, Dad, you're, you're touching it with tongs. Like, this isn't rocket science. <laughs> yeah. Well, my dad will make an omelet, and he'll go, the key to a good omelet. And then it's like, the key to a good putt. And I'm like, all right, enough with the life lessons. The all-teaching fathers. Yeah, they can't help themselves. They can't. No. What's up? It was a good, uh, good Memorial Day Yeah, I just hung out with the parents the entire time and just kicked it, relaxed. Right. Went out a little bit in Margate, New Jersey. Okay. Uh, witnessed. I- I'm officially too old to go out. On that weekend, yeah, you fi- I went out and I was standing in line, and there, and, and for a bar that does not deserve a line, right. Maynard's, which is such an outdoor crap show, and uh, I'm in line with all these twenty somethings, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, a bunch of people start cutting the line, and people in front of me are going, "Get to the back of the line! Get to the back of the line!" And I realized. I've never been a kind of person that rats on people. Like, I can't be like, hey, they, they butted. Like, that's not in my DNA. Yeah. But at the same point, I'm at an age where it's like, come on, motherfuckers, like, get to the back of the line. I hear you. And I was sitting there, and, like, people were sneaking in, the pretending they can't hear people. And right. I was like, this is it. I'm officially too old to be doing any. Like, I had my Danny Glover, like, I'm too old for this shit. Dealing moment. with that bullshit. I oh. hear you. And then I, I get I in can... there, and I'm like, all these people are awful. Yeah. 
I can, I can remember that day when it hit me too. Where yeah. you just it's it's that age. You're 30, right? 31. Yeah, it's right around there where you're just like, man, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time out here. I'm gonna go into a place, drink, look at girls, and not be able to have a conversation with anybody because it's gonna be too loud. Girl comes up to me while I'm at the bar and she goes, "It's my friend's 21st birthday," and I was like, 21. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. She goes, "How old are you?" And I was like, I'm 42. She goes, ew. I go, I'm not, I'm not 42. I go, I'm 31. And she goes, oh, that's not too old. And I go, I go, too old for what? You? Because, baby, this ain't going to work out. I'm just, I'm letting you know. She immediately goes on her phone and pulls up Snapchat. And I whisper in her ear, I go, 37 seconds. She goes, what do you mean? I go, that's how long I think you could be away from your phone. She goes, I don't need my phone. I could do 25 minutes. And I was like, all right, let's find out. I purposely start talking to my friend. Right. And I look back, literally 22 seconds. She's, she's back, back on it. Snapchat. And I was like, do you see? And she's like, uh, and she walked away. And I was like, see, that's what I do at bars now. I just like get frustrated by like dumb people. And I'm like, I'm going to mess with you. Well, didn't, they, didn't a study come out like last week? I didn't read it or whatever, but like Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat are like all horrible for mental health, basically. I, I can't even addicted. imagine. Yeah, they can't be good for you. I mean, I look around on the train in the morning and I just see people buried in their phones. That's all they or, can do. Um, I, the thing that I always see is when I see two parents at dinner and then I see their kids on phones too. Right. That's all. Then you're like, you're just initiating this child. <sighs> I do it too, though. I it, understand. When you're yeah. out. Yeah. Like I did it last night. Yeah, it just, well, I have to, at times, it's a great babysitter for the kids. I, I do do rules with my kids. Like, you're not allowed to play on the iPhone, the iPad, or the computer all week long until Friday night. But with, the, in, like, little circumstances like that, it's a nicer restaurant where, okay, they're not going to have as much fun as maybe they'd like to. Yeah. I do. Give, I give up the cell phone or the iPad for a two-hour dinner. Nick is about to call uh, Nick Wright. Uh, you call him in, like, a minute. Um I think the other thing I'm excited about with this guy's show is I'm glad that Chris Carter is going to be back on TV a lot. Sure. I really believe that he was one of the main reasons I liked Mike and Mike for so long. Yeah. We always talked about he was one of the guys that got it and was connected in he the league. He was the only guy that I felt, one of the few guys at ESPN in general, that just got the overall huge perspective of yeah. the NFL in general. And not that you don't agree with every one of his thoughts, but they were always well thought out and there was – some fact-based knowledge of his history or somebody else he knew behind the scenes. Awesome that he's hope, uh, helping out Odell Beckham Jr. Yes. We'll get into that conversation, I think, well, after we Nick, talk to Nick Well, Wright. Nick was there, too. Nick was the one posting videos from Odell Beckham's working out and talk to him. Right, cool. So if you want to ask him questions cool. about that, because yeah. I think that's... Um, Man, it's it's such an interesting time of year. I know Philly was going through it with Fletcher Cox. I know there was a lot of other teams where uh, people skipped OTAs. Yeah. And I texted you and I said, you know, what do you think about this? And you said, I would have been better if I got to keep my private workouts and not gone to things like that. Without a doubt, yes. You get better training, first of all. First of all, when you go to train with a team, you know, of course, it's a workout a lot of times that's made for 53 players. Yeah, there's a little difference between the lineman and the quarterback, whatever. But I'm with my personal trainer. I can really get into what I need to improve on. And a lot of times, personal trainers, too. I mean, throughout my whole career, whether it was college or the pros, I would always come back and test, right? Mm. Like test the 40, test my vertical right see where i was at i was always at less than then i would come back here build myself up go back to otas and things come back in july again or end of june retest and i'd be i'd gone the wrong way once again really yeah because a lot of the yeah a lot of the training is not cutting edge and it's yeah lumping a bunch of people together well i know one guy that agrees with us is joining us now my man nick wright went to cues together and now he is dominating the media landscape on fs1 he has a new show starting in new york city with chris carter moving from la first things first nick are you ready to live in new york are you ready for this crazy city I mean, I think so. I've never lived in New York City, so I guess I won't know till I till I officially get there. But I've got a place, and I'm excited for the show. Thanks Ooh. for having me on. Ah, uh, you ain't ready then, Nick. You ain't ready. <laughs> Wait, where do you know where you're living yet? Like what borough? What area? Yeah, I got a I got a home in Harlem. Oh my gosh, cool. that'll be it's a cool area. It is right a cool now, area. No doubt about it. it. 
Um, so one thing that I knew Nick was going to be good at was me and him did like a four or five hour draft special one year. It was the uh, Ted Ginn Brady Quinn draft. Okay. And Nick went on a rant that day and he said, Brady Quinn is going to be awful. And I remember thinking, Brady Quinn is the number one quarterback in this draft. <laughs> There's no way that's going to happen. Nick, this is your time to gloat about I Brady. I don't. You know what's funny? I don't remember that. I remember I, I that was the Adrian Peterson draft. Yes, and you were all about him, too. I remember being very high on Peterson. I don't remember being so low on Brady Quinn. I'm sure I got many, many things wrong that day, but yeah. That was when the first round of the draft was on a Saturday, and uh-huh. we just did live coverage the whole time. It was unbelievable. I remember Vernon Golston was a big pick that we argued uh, about. Yeah, that sure. Dra- when you look back at that draft, that was a bad draft. Man, I, I mean, I, I was thinking when you said it, that's a 07 draft, right? It was awful. Yeah, I can't even. I, I think I'll, the first pick was uh, the left tackle, Jake. Uh, oh, Jake, Jake Long. Long. Jake just Long. retired, right. I mean, that was awful. Yeah. Uh, so you were just talking about this, Nick. You were out there with your, your future co-host, Chris Carter, checking out Odell Beckham Jr.'s workout. I'm curious, what was the scene there like for you? And then to hear the national backlash about him skipping and then you seeing what he was actually doing, what kind of perspective did that give you about a star like Odell Beckham? Listen, the guy's working his ass off. And he, if everyone on the Giants had the resources that he has, I think everyone should do it. Mm. He's got his own chef. He's got his own trainer. He's got his own, uh, you know, I don't want to say doctor, but his own kind of nutritionist like he's got a entire team who travels with him whose job it is to keep him in peak physical condition make sure he's healthy makes all this stuff like everyone doesn't have those resources he on top of it can text one of the five or six greatest in the history of his position and say hey do you want to come work out with me if other guys could do that they would Mm. And I, I also think that he's getting more productive stuff done because we know star guys at OTAs, the team usually doesn't let them do all the drills because of fear of injury. They're more on the off to the side. And then finally, and this is the part that was to me so frustrating, Odell or not, the owners, the players wanted more money in the last round of the CBA negotiation, when the, when the owners locked them out. Right. The owners refused to give more money. What they gave them was fewer mandatory off-season workouts. Right. That was a negotiation. The players take that deal, and then the owners, through the coaches, general managers, and media, contort it to where... Hmm. The OTAs are de facto mandatory. Right. If you wanted them to be mandatory, make it mandatory into the collective bargaining agreement. The owners didn't do that because they wanted to hold on to a bigger share of the money, but they still want to pretend these things are mandatory. Like, let me make this part clear. The Odell was working out really, really hard, but he has every right if he wanted to be drinking out of a coconut in Cancun. No doubt. He doesn't have to be at work right now. Right. All right, I, I, I love where you're going with that, and, and I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, Lefko and I have talked about this a whole lot, Nick. I mean, he's better off there where he is with that team around him. He's more cutting edge as far as his nutrition, his workout. Like, uh, I mean, oh, no, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to forget to ha- run the slant route and the go route in this complicated <laughs> Giants offense, and he's going to forget how to catch the ball. What I say to people up here in New York a lot, even when I go on radio, is I see greatness in Odell Beckham Jr., and I think I even texted this to Adam that – I think he wants to be great, and I I just want you to speak to the man and the makeup of the man Mm. because, to me, that is what's being lost in translation. Like, this guy holds himself to a standard, and I think people think he's out there on a boat in Miami. So a little more. Just tell me, like, what makes him and when you're around him and everything about him. There is no question he wants to be great. There is also no question that he – this – the last two years have been a total whirlwind for him. Sure. I mean, he – he mentioned to me the what the catch did for his level of fame Oof. and how no one is equipped for that. Right. He went from going into that game, uh, you know, a prominent rookie 
NFL player. That was it. Yeah. To instantly being one of the five most prominent guys in the entire sport. And he now, I think, I don't think he realized this or wanted to accept this before. He now realizes that no matter what he does, he is going to be a topic of conversation. Like him, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, the Dallas Cowboys at large. It's a short list of guys in this league that are just enormous stories year-round. And so I think he is learning how to deal with that and learning how how to channel that energy properly. I also know without question that he really, he wants to be unanimously considered the best wide receiver in the league. Right. And I'm sure, I'm sure he wants to be paid accordingly. Mm. That, well, that's where I want to go, Nick. That's exactly where I want to go. To, so th- this is one thing we're going to talk about when you get off the phone. Like, to me, Derek Carr, Odell Beckham Jr., Malcolm Butler up in New England, they shouldn't play football this year. Like, like Nick was just explaining to us, the owners made this a business and said, no, we're not going to give you more money, but we'll take away practice. The players got to start fighting back, and this is the way. Like Odell Beckham Jr. is the guy. These are the guys we need to change it. In the for final the year of that rookie final, deal. Say, F you, go ahead, because all I know is we can't score touchdowns unless I catch a six-yard slant and run 80 yards. Right. You guys ain't crap without me. I want to know, Nick, do you get any sense that maybe that's in his mind, that maybe he does sit out or try to call the Giants bluff? Mm. Because it's a bunch of bullshit, all of it. No, no, well, listen, I'm very pro-player empowerment, and I personally like where you're going with all of this, but for Beckham, absolutely not. Like he <laughs> said, he said to Chris and I without question, he's like, listen, I am going to be at minicamp. There's no doubt about it, and he's going to – He's going to play this year. He he recognizes that if he has another outstanding season, then the Giants, then there's there's no argument. Like, who is the highest paid guy at a position is not usually uh, the math of who is the best at that position. Yes. It's who among the four or five best is the latest to come up for a contract. Right. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, like Andrew Luck, whatever, Russell Wilson. Whatever all it those. is. Yeah, and, gotcha. And so it's Beckham's turn. Mm. Like, the, I happen to think Beckham is actually a more dynamic player than Julio Jones. Oh, you don't have but to I argue. Totally under, yeah, I totally we're, we're understand if, if people like Julio more, Antonio Brown more, whatever. But the reality is, like, who's going to be the highest paid wide receiver it's whichever of those guys con- like whoever's contract is up next. That's how this stuff always works, which is why Derek Carr, who I think's great but is not the best quarterback in the world, is probably about to become the highest paid quarterback in the world. Yeah. Uh what I've learned these last 2 weeks is that um more than religion, more than politics, there is the Church of LeBron and there is the Church of Jordan. <laughs> And if you try and debate the merits of that, you can lose family members and friends. And I'm curious, Nick, what is it like to be the Pope of the Church of LeBron? Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, didn't, I didn't see this um, manifestation of my career coming where now, not that I'm recognized all the time, I am not, but when I am recognized, I, it's... I'll tell you the breakdown. Here's the breakdown. About 15% of the time, it's, hey, man, you're that dude from ESPN? I'm like, kind of, you're close. Oh, whatever. Thank you for watching. Uh, about 20% of the time, it's, yo, man, love you on the herd. I'm like, oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And the other 65% of the time, it's, yo, man, I can I curse? Yes, yeah, of course. Curse. Uh, the other 65% of the time, yo, man, I fucking love your LeBron shit, dog. <laughs> like that, that is, it is people that don't know my name. It is people that likely don't even watch FS1. They just see the clips on the internet. For sure. And I have just become so closely tied with LeBron in a relatively short period of time. I mean, 14 like months weeks, ago. Yeah. 
Right. 14 months ago, I was doing radio in Houston. Now, you can, can, you can attest to this, Lefko, that this is – I think some people wonder, oh, so did this guy get hired by FS1 and just go kind of the bizarro Skip Bayless thing? Mm. This is authentic. Like, the LeBron stuff goes back to, if you remember, I still have a $12,000 futures wager with our friend Andrew Filipponi oh that gosh. was placed in 2005. That was, we set, I got LeBron James and Amari Stoudemire combined championships over five and a half. Now, Amari has totally let me down. <laughs> I need LeBron to get three more. Like, this has been, he's my favorite athlete ever, and it's nice that he doubles as the greatest athlete ever. And I think that the one thing that I've been able to do a good job of is, while obviously I'm an opinion guy, give a ton of opinions, is stripping away a lot of the opinion stuff and laying out a numerical case as to why this is the greatest basketball player we've ever seen. Uh, I, wanna, I love it. Wait, I just want to he's the Pope, then what the hell am I? You are like a, well, a bishop. A cardinal? Yeah, <laughs> cardinal or a bishop. I mean, Sims is literally sitting here with a pair of silver LeBrons, and I go, oh, I've seen these before. He go, it's the same pair. I just bought a new one. He, he has <laughs> every awesome. color of LeBron shoes. Uh, well, you, so that's where, that's where he's got me, because I don't own a single pair of LeBrons, and I own about... 30 pairs of Jordans. Mm. I think in the sneaker game, that is the one place where Jordan is the undeniable goat. Undeniable. I'll take LeBron. Uh, I'm curious. You mentioned Skip, and Skip has a certain je ne sais quoi when it comes to people that like sports. A lot of people, he just, it's, it's been something that's been around for so long. When you went up to debate against him, and I know that you're authentic, and your amount of research that you do, I, I think other than Colin a lot of times, I don't think anyone even touches it. Uh, what was that preparation like to sit down, Mr. I'm obsessed with Jordan versus I'm obsessed with LeBron? What was that process like for you? Uh, well, like the, the prep process was on this one was actually like, I don't have to prep for many of the LeBron discussions anymore because they're like the, I, it's the numbers are the same, right? Mm. Like I've kind of got that. That's an argument like I've made in court multiple times. And at this point I'm just playing the notes. Uh, as far, listen, the, the, here is what I will say about my coworker, Skip Bayless, who, whether people believe it or not off television is one of the meekest, kindest people you will ever meet. Mm. Like that is, that is a hundred percent the truth. He believes everything he says. And so people can say he's a lunatic or he's crazy or whatever it is. And I obviously vehemently disagree with him on the LeBron stuff. Right. But it's not it, just like with me. It's not an act with him. It's not an act. And he's a good sport about it. Like he and I went back and forth. We both went into it knowing we are not going to convince the other person. Right? But where does he like, where does he stand on LeBron right now? I mean, because I mean, I've had some days where LeBron is like, uh, you know, off the radar for him completely. Like where I I think his I think his stance on LeBron hasn't really changed that much, which is he thinks LeBron like is as talented as any basketball player he's ever seen. He thinks LeBron is what he calls a fr the best front runner ever, which is if things are going well and his team's winning, there's no one you'd rather have. And he obviously thinks LeBron is not a guy you want in a close game late in the fourth quarter. I do not think the numbers back that up. They I don't, don't think the eye test back backs that up. But listen, like I'm not going to – I mean, Skip's allowed to have his opinion. That's what, that's what makes sports really fun. And by the way, like – uh, this is, let me give one and I listen, I want to hear your biggest defense of LeBron. Like I want to hear like your go-to, like this is my three or four lines. I say to anybody at a party or whatever it is to like, mm. shut them up to be like, no, this is why LeBron's the man. I'm not even saying you have to say he's better than Jordan, but for like the haters Look, out there that put him like seventh all of a sudden out of nowhere, just because, yeah, I mean, listen, he's, he's the, He's going to finish with the most points in the history of the sport. He's never been injured. He's never missed a playoff game. He has a better clutch shooting percentage in the postseason 
than Michael Jordan. He has twice the clutch shooting percentage as Kobe Bryant. LeBron James, 6 of 12 on game winners. Kobe Bryant, 5 of 22. He's the he's going to finish his career with not only more points than everyone, but more assists than everyone but two other guys. And on top of all of that, he's one of the most versatile defenders we've ever seen. And he's now taken two teams to four separate NBA finals. That's psycho. And he's gone to seven NBA finals in a row. Like, we've never... We've never seen anything like this, and I happen to believe that the six-year stretch we are on right now, so from the end of everything that has happened since the Dallas Mavericks series, right? it's the greatest six-year stretch in the history of the sport. In those six years, he has been... He has been to the finals every single year. He has won three championships. He has won three finals MVPs. He has won two regular season MVPs, and he has been the best player for every NBA Finals that has been played since then. He only has three Finals MVPs, but he should have four, and the one that they lost to the Spurs in five, he drastically outplayed Kawhi Leonard, the guy who won it. So we've just never seen a stretch of dominance from a player like this, and he's doing it in year 14. I think the coolest thing is if you had a draft of, I get one athlete that I get to argue for and stake my claim on, dude, you got LeBron. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in the in the in the commentator draft, you you man, you got a steal at pick. This is I like got Jordan very. It, listen, I don't know exactly how it happened that in a sports media where this is the guy that's talked about just about anybody that I somehow got staked that I somehow got on the corner of like one of the people most associated with yeah. him. Um, <laughs> Because, but Nick, you're obviously a cool, objective dude, and I know you're somewhat cool because Lefko likes you and you guys went to the queues. <laughs> but, no, that's the problem. That's why I think Lefko and I have gotten so frustrated with this conversation the last two years is because we watched it objectively and we're like, are all these idiots crazy and really think, like, LeBron's not the most amazing thing yeah. we've seen other than maybe Michael Jordan? Well, so and the good other, for you the, for evaluating it is what I'm saying. Well, I appreciate that. The other cool thing that has been – that has made the LeBron thing so interesting is there like it, there have been doubts, mm. right? Like there was good reason to believe for a brief moment in time. Holy shit. Maybe Steph is better. Right. Yeah. Like right. there was when, when, like, I remember the day Steph hit the 35 footer to beat the thunder at the buzzer. Right. Do you remember? Oh, like, the, yeah. I remember thinking that night, like, maybe this guy's just a cheat code. Like, if this guy can just pull up from 40 feet at any time, and, you know, it's funny. We might look back on this. If the Warriors don't win this series, and I don't think they will, uh, we are going to look back on this entire three-year run and and say, like, in the sports movie, where does the uh, montage of winning end and where does the downfall begin? It would have been that shot. Like that shot might end up being as good as it ever got for them. But there's so there have been times where even like maybe LeBron's not the best player in the world. There have been times as recently as 11 and a half months ago where people justifiably were wondering, holy shit, what if he never wins again? Right. When he's down 3 1 and it looks like the Warriors are just a machine that's just going to keep rolling on, I think people were like, dude, this guy might not win another title. And now we're sitting here two weeks away from, I believe, him having his second uh, second back-to-back titles with his second team and and really ruining uh, this two-year run from the Warriors. So oh, please, I'm excited for it. Please ruin it because I can't stake the Warriors. Uh, <laughs> wait, I, last thing. I'm butting in. I'm sorry to cut off Lefko again. But I just want to ask, how are you treated around the NBA because of your love for LeBron? Because like I, when I watch players that are playing right now, like the old generation pretty much can admit like LeBron's certainly special and we haven't seen a lot of guys like this ever. Like the new generation, like I just watched Paul Pierce this weekend during on an NBA show. Like he has a hard time giving LeBron credit and I know that's personal cuz he lost Well, you saw Paul Paul Pierce went after me. That might answer your question. Oh, okay. So well, it Paul makes P- sense, but that, that's I just where I thought like how does people treat you? This uh, yeah, because you're such no, a pro LeBron. I mean, I I'll, I'll be honest like I don't I I don't go to almost any NBA games as a media member. 
I go to a bunch of Houston Rockets games because my family's still there. Um, and I go to like Lakers and Clippers games, but with tickets. So I don't really, I don't really run in those circles. So I don't really know. Um, the guys that are in our building, you know, Eddie House, Steven Jackson, uh, Baron Davis, Allen Iverson was there the other day. All those guys treat me really well. I mean, the, I don't, I don't think I'm like a, I don't, I hope I don't come across as like a naturally unlikable guy on television. I just got strong opinions. Yeah. Um, so those guys treat me well, but Paul Pierce was watching undisputed Friday morning and was so angry at my LeBron take. He spelled LeBron's name wrong. <laughs> he tweeted out. He said, man, get Nick Wright off undisputed saying MJ's or saying LeBron's better than MJ. And he spelled LeBron with an A and <laughs> I just kindly wrote back, man, these old-ass Celtics stay salty that LeBron ended all their careers prematurely in Game 6 of 2012. Good for you. (laughs) Bam, eat that crap. Um, I have one more question for you, and it's a little bit more like socially conscious question because I know you're from Kansas City, correct? Yep. I've been having this conversation lately about the huge dichotomy of discussing really, really good athletes that have really, really troubling off-the-field issues because I don't know how to explain how I am so amazed by Tyreek Hill on the field and then so concerned about what happened off the field, and then I question my ability to root for another man who has done domestic violence. And I'm curious, as someone that is very in touch with that and stands up for what they believe, in how do you process that uh from your perspective so that's so that's a struggle so i actually had a very long discussion with the very talented and wise beyond her years katie nolan about this exact issue a few months ago uh because i made the argument that we should be able to separate the art from the artist right Meaning, like, I believe Michael Jackson molested children. I still love Thriller. Right. The, I, there are, you know, do people not watch, uh, I want to make sure I get this right, like Sean Penn. I think Sean Penn's been accused of domestic violence a few times. A lot, of comedians, mean- a lot of comedians have said this about Bill Cosby. Those jokes, you know what I mean, were legendary and what he did for the art form was crazy. What he did was deplorable and disgusting. Right. So, like, why can we not do this with athletes? Why can we not say, I really like watching this guy play football. I don't think he's a good person. And I that has been my stance for a long time. And then it was brought up to me. And it there is there is a counter argument to my own point, which maybe shows my own blind spot or my own biases, which is I was asked. I was like, oh, OK. So you could absolutely, if he was a great player on your team, you could root for Riley Cooper. And I was like, ooh, ooh. Now, Lefko, you know me. So, yeah. like, race is something that's very close in my life and is always, always has been. And so it, that was kind of a aha moment for me. Because let's, and let's take it further than Riley Cooper. Because, what Tyree Kill did isn't use misogynistic language, right? Like he actually inflicted damage on somebody. Right. So if there were a if there were a white athlete who perpetrated some form of a hate crime, right? Could I separate the art from the artist? I don't think I could. But if I can do it for Tyree Kill, well now all of a sudden we're realizing I've got a blind spot for domestic violence. Mm. Like, and that's what I'm coming to grips with. Like, if, I, if I've if i got a line, why does the line not reach domestic violence? Or why does, do you, do you does it, and yeah, I'm kind of random. No, you're making what I'm sense. saying makes sense. Definitely. And so I've got to, I've got to battle with that, right? I got to figure out on my own, do I want to have no line at all and just be able to, you know, treat it like music? which is I don't care what you did. I like to listen to your music or do I want to have a line? And if I do have a line, then, then what do I, where do I draw it? So I don't have a great answer. It's it's something I have battled with and I've thought about a lot. Uh, And I think it gets messy when 
I, I think it gets messy in a lot of walks of life when we start trying to drill down who the people are that create the entertainment that we enjoy. But, you know, life's supposed to be messy sometimes. And so maybe that's a good introspection. But I, you know, I was big on banging on the art, you know, celebrate the art, not the artist drum. And basically saying, I don't care what any of these guys do off the field. I'm not watching football for some moral play. Like, it is it's an entertainment business. And the race angle was brought up to me, and I realized that maybe I have some more introspection I need to do. He is really intelligent. He is well thought out. He is well spoken, and he is dominating FS1. I expect to see you on for the next two, three weeks throughout this finals. Nick Wright, his new show with, with Chris Carter, First Things First, starts in September, and he's coming to New York. And I'm excited for you, man. Keep kicking ass. Cool, Nick. Be Appreciate good, it. Man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Talk to you later. All right, Thanks, man. Have a great day. Uh, I think it's – I mean, we've talked about this before. Yeah. I don't know where to go with that. Yeah. But, yeah, he is the leader of the LeBron castle. It's cool. It yeah. really is. I mean, it's – It's uh, funny how that spot was open. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like how, like, this far in LeBron's career, he didn't have a huge media advocate. It's why I went that way. I just couldn't take it. I mean, it wasn't like I was always on the LeBron bandwagon. Like, I was certainly questionable there at the end when he was losing the Celtics and the Cavs. But I just couldn't take the fact that everybody was going, like, to the point where, like you said to start, like it's, and Nick said, it's, he's one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen on the face of the planet. Like, you can disparage him all you want and not think he's Jordan, but, yeah. like, people were going as far to be like, oh, he's not even one of the best players in the NBA, and he's crazy. No, he was the best player in the NBA. Uh, I think it's interesting that every time I hear someone talk about Skip Bayless, he is the kindest, nicest, smartest person ever. Yeah. And, th- and then I go, oh, hey, Josh. Hey, guys, what's going Good on? To hey. have, I just I realized this was the first time I'm hearing his voice. I need a little more juice here. Um, Give me a little juice. I begin to realize then maybe Skip's just delusional. Maybe his opinions are just that bad, but he really believes them. Because I always thought... Well, he thought Tim Tebow could throw, so that is definitely a delusional yeah, thought. I mean, maybe he's just really out of it. Maybe it's not fake and contrived and, and all this stuff. Maybe he's just really uh, weird. Maybe he is. You know I, what I mean? I know. I mean, listen, he could be a good guy. Because I've never heard anyone speak poorly about him, yeah. ever. Well, I mean, you heard Troy Aikman speak poorly about him. Well, that was absurd. Yeah, that was a low you blow can't. by Skip Bayless and company. <laughs> um, but, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to think about Skip Bayless. Okay, listen, he might be nice to everybody and all that, but some of his you know thoughts and stuff are just so off base at times, it's hard for me to listen because it's, the opinions are just... I don't know, as an ex-player and guy, like someone that's around the sport, and as much as you and I follow it, I just go, damn, he's not following it, yeah. or he's just so clueless, he sees a totally different angle that's not even relevant. How are you, Josh? Oh, I'm pretty good. Josh, How are you guys doing? We're good. Good. What did you do for Memorial Day? Uh, I went to Maryland for a wedding. Okay. Went to Frederick, Maryland. That was nice. And then I was just uh, by the beach in New Jersey, hanging out, eating some food. Drinking a couple drinks. Nice. Standard. Did you go to the beach, actually? I mean, it was a, not a hot weekend. No, I was just hanging out near the, near beach. the beach. When's the last time Josh got tan? Oh, uh, never. I am tan. What are you talking <laughs> about? Uh, Look at me. Uh, do you want to hit up uh, some Twitter questions and stuff to get going? Yeah, do you want to do Twitter questions or you want to do Sims uh, Sims topic first? Well, we're going to get to Sims. Oh, yeah, okay. Whatever. We'll get the Sims topic right. and, like okay. after these. Right, yeah. Let me pull up Twitter questions. So. Uh, okay, so real quick, we just got a question that came in a few minutes ago from aru811 because okay. I always tweet out, send us your questions, best ones make the show. aru811 wants to know, how does a question get to be considered one of the best? I am in training. So what would your take be? How Say does, it one more time. How does a question get to be considered one of the best that makes the show? What are the best questions we get? I think the best questions we get are, well, look, qu- great questions are ones you've never heard before yep. about topics that are, are different, and we like them to be a little bit odd. You know, when I, I think the questions that I think a lot of people send in all the time are, who are the most underrated players, who like uh, stuff like that, where it's like, man, I, everyone has a different like vision of the scale of what underrating means and all that. I, I, we love when it's this guy versus this guy, no holds barred, fist fight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. fun topics. So here's a perfect example. Peter Edwards, at Peter E. Who is always solid. Longtime friend of the podcast. If you could take any player from the Cavs or Warriors, but not LeBron, and put him on an NFL roster, 
which team and what position would he play? Oh. So pull up the teams. So Cavs, Warriors. Cavs, Warriors, not LeBron in the NFL. Draymond at tight end is the first thing my head went to. Mm. I mean, that was the first. Draymond at least has the physicality to of, play the position, to play football in general. Like, I don't want to like bag on NBA players, but it's a lifelong like journey of playing basketball right and their idea of contact is usually a little different than what a football <laughs> player is like i've played with some like nba players or even like when i play pick up college ball i pick up ball up at greenwich like there's some like college players there. there's like a point guard from wake forest a kid from florida and their idea of boxing out is different than mine and like uh just the contact where i'm like oh that's not a foul and they're yes. like no that was a foul <laughs> my three uh zaza pachulia yeah. at right tackle uh Kyrie <laughs> irving at running back i mean that man can make a man miss in a hole. he can make a miss, he can make a miss. i just am don't I, know if he can go anywhere and my number three solely based on confidence is jr smith at cornerback <laughs> He will not, he, you know, I mean, he might be drinking on You're the sidelines, right. but he's he, not, he's never going to be like down no. on himself. Yeah, he gets burned. He's coming back the next time. He's ready to go. <laughs> You're right about that. Next question Marcus Stanwa at M Stanwa NFL. I hope I'm saying that right. Who wins the Super Bowl first, Andrew Luck or Jameis Winston? Ooh. All right, so let's think about their teams. Uh, Andrew Luck, I think the Colts had a very good offseason. They did. I love what they did with that secondary. They're starting to address getting big people the line. They got uh, the dude from the Giants. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Hankins. Which I think is a team changer. Right. Uh, and then hopefully Chudzinski and all those guys get more opportunity on they offense. They got Malik Hooker at Jameis just got O.J. Howard yeah. to go along with Mike Evans. And Deshaun Jackson. Uh, and Deshaun Jackson. So he has an offense. Their offensive line, I think the Colts are further ahead offensive line-wise. Um, I think Andrew Luck is a better quarterback than Jameis Winston right now. I do, too. Um, and then defensively, there's a lot of speed on Tampa Bay. Um, who do you think wins first? That was just kind of outlining the outlining the info. You know, yeah, I, I th your outline is spot on. Uh, I th I think if you made me choose either one, I don't think either team is ready for that step at this point. But I would still go with Andrew Luck. I mean, uh, it's hard I would go with Jameis because he doesn't have to face Tom Brady until the Super Bowl. I get that. That's that makes sense too. I mean, I, I also think of their divisions, and Jameis has the tougher division too. You're right. So, but but yeah, the Colts could win the division with a seven and nine they, record. They could, right? That's where my mind went first. But yeah, I mean, Luck's been in playoff games first. You know, he's mm. been in an AFC Championship game. He's been in a divisional. He's been in a wild card, and we haven't seen Winston get there yet. Uh, and yeah, I just think at this point, Luck is a better player, not by much, but I, I would still probably bet on Luck at this point. Technodad at Joey J. Garcia. Technodad, thanks for the question. Can Sims assess the difference between Broncos QBs, Simeon, and Paxton? What is athleticism, and how important is it over the other skills? Yeah. Um, listen, both quarterbacks. Of course, Lynch has the size factor on a Trevor Simeon. Simeon is not like the biggest guy you would ever see as far as playing the quarterback position. He's more of like a Aaron Rodgers type of build, right, when you see him in person. Uh, he's pretty athletic. I think that gets underrated in Trevor Simeon's game. I mean, I think he has very good feet. He's good in the pocket. Uh, Lynch is faster straight away. I'm not sure his feet and his quickness are quite as good at this point of the Trevor Simeon. Uh, and Lynch has potential to be a big-time thrower, but I don't think he's as good a thrower as Trevor Simeon right now. Trevor Simeon is a machine. He is a real tight motion. He never loses control of the football. He might not always wow you, right. but it's good enough. I mean, he can throw bombs. I mean, he went deep on the Bengals a few times, and you know, he went deep a number of times throughout the year where Paxton Lynch... Paxton Lynch needs to tighten his motion up. Yeah. For lack of a better like way it's to explain it. It's very elongated. It is. It's very elongated. It's just very freewheeling. And to me He has more power, it's just not going the right place. No, yeah. He's gotta he's gotta refine some of those and when technical. You have an elite defense, you need a quarterback that's not gonna do yeah, what he's doing. I would bet on Trevor Simeon winning that job still. Let me do some quick iTunes comments. I'll get back to you on Twitter. We'll I just get wanna... back to you, Josh. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, no John problem. John Johnson. Uh, one of the best podcasts of five star, oh, one of the best thanks. football podcasts I listen to. It is by far the most honest. I have been a fan of Sims since Texas and me being a Bucks fan. I was ecstatic. They selected him. I was at the game when Thomas Davis blew you up and I was upset Ooh. the entire way home. Let's make this an everyday podcast. P.S. No one cares about Survivor. I, mean, I just thought that was a great <laughs> comment. Well, I, I, that's true. That's good. To, that's good to hear that he is a, a Bucks Longhorn fan. He was there on the horrid day. Man. Uh, DHD HHBHG wrote the realest sports podcast out there, and his question was: Are there big differences in the way an offense runs when a QB is left-handed? 
There is differences. I mean, the biggest thing really is just more of the formation usage. Like the coach has to get used to like that. Most coaches, of course, are righty. Their brains are been taught to think right hand dominant. Even like just getting a you know green right instead of green left. Uh, right. That that just flows off their mouth easier, right? And in the NFL, the hashes aren't quite as important because they're tighter, right, to right. the field. So even if you're on the right hash to call a formation to the right side, you're not like running into the sidelines like you are in college football, right? Uh, but yes, like Gruden, I think it drove him crazy with some of the the protections and especially the bootlegs and the play action passes, realizing like, oh man, I can't make this guy like spin around all the time and. Th- throw it like a righty uh so that's where he would you know Gruden at first was frustrated then he had then he kind of had like a lot of mental lapses and he'd be like mother you're a fucking lefty call it the other way yeah you know and and then it became normal and uh, and also the receivers have to get used to the ball spinning the opposite way that's the biggest adjustment yeah right Keyshawn or you know I mean how many receivers through my career fell for the trick of the ball boy going Man, hey, Chris, we should get the left-handed balls out. And the rookie <laughs> receiver go, man, they got left-handed balls? <laughs> I, think many- I think what's incredible is <laughs> I've never caught a pass, and I've probably caught thousands of passes in my life and been like, oh, that one spun differently. You know what I mean? Like, I just see a spinning ball, yeah. and then I catch said ball. But I imagine it's like an MLB baseball player where they can see the laces yes. and they can read it. Their vision They're in is the a, weeds of it oh a little gosh. bit more. Yeah, there's a science to it, right, I suppose. Right. Creedthoughts.gov, amazing podcast, five stars. What up, Creed? In the last 10 seasons, what are some other offenses that are similar to the Packers and that they often ask the quarterback, a la Rodgers, to go out and just make a play? Oh, that's a real good question there. Uh, let me pull up some teams for a second. I know that the Giants... Uh, yeah, the Giants are certainly in that right now. Uh, I mean, that's why they struggle offensively at times because Eli is not in the point of his career where he can actually make that happen. The Seahawks? A, definitely. Yes, thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to – let me just think of a lot of – I mean, listen, what the Colts ask of Andrew Luck a lot of times, especially like when Bruce Arians was there, like, right. hey, just stand in the pocket and just get fucking annihilated and throw the ball 40 yards down yeah. the field. And Andrew was just like, okay, I'll just stand there. Let him kill me and <laughs> I'll throw it. Thanks, coach. And, yeah. and, and now he wonders why he's like body's breaking down. Yeah. Uh, but I think of guys like that. Man, there's other ones too. Flacco has certainly had a lot of pressure on him throughout his career with no talent around him, a pretty simple system. And when you really break it down, you always go, damn, it's third and 12 and they're asking Joe to make an unreal throw right. within the pocket. Um, trying to think I of some think, other. Romo uh, was similar. Romo was a I, little. I try to explain to people that the Cowboys offense is simple but different in that it's all option routes and that it's the receivers and the tight ends reading the defense and then when you have someone like Romo who can read them reading it, yeah, right. it's almost unstoppable. Romo, like it's not complicated. Romo, right. where his genius was, is like, no, we like to do this play against this coverage and I'm going to make sure we get it. Right. I think Cam right Newton had a, had a good offense but he's also a lot of times like you have two routes that are each 12 20-yard, like, developing routes, just stand there and shed a few guys in the meantime. No doubt about it. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones just off the top of my head. Um, you don't listen. The 49ers offenses there when Kaepernick was in his prime, they were. it was a lot on Kaepernick. That's why I was such a big fan of him at the time. It wasn't like Harbaugh's offense was something like the NFL had ever seen before. Every Eagles quarterback during Chip Kelly? <laughs> Certainly. Holy crap, that offense. Uh, I'm going back through some some old stats here just look to look at, at them. Case Keenum and, and uh, Jared Goff last year. Yeah, but I guess he's just trying to what? He wants to know more about the quarterbacks that had to like carry the offense, yes. right, and basically do it all themselves. Yeah, that the OC said, you know what? I'm not going to develop any interesting game plans. I have a stud that's going to get it done. Yeah, though, though, I think we hit on really the okay. majority of them. Any more tweets you want to get to? Uh, we have one more Twitter yeah, question. Yeah, get to it. Uh, Luke Heaton, at Luke Heaton 93 How do you feel about London games and the possibility of a London franchise? That's the last one I got from Twitter. <laughs> Matt Stafford and some of his years, too. We got oh, yeah. Yeah. London games, London franchise. London games, London franchise. Listen, I like the London games. Like, I'm not going to sit here and go like, oh, man, I, I need to have them. Uh, I do enjoy it. I think Lefko would attest to this. Like the 9.30 game on it's the East bad. Coast, it's nice to wake up and go, oh, there's a little it's something It's also nice that him. there's one of the 1 o'clock games that are gone so we can focus on the rest it of do, the games. It does too. make that a little easier, right? Uh, I, I don't know how you feel about it, Lefko. I mean, as a player, I think I would not want to ever play in London. I'd be like, damn, I don't want to be thrown off my routine. I don't want to have to yes. deal with the time change. I don't know how they can ever get a team there and really work out the dynamics of the schedule, the schedule, the salary cap. How are they going to be paid to change their way of life and their expenses? I know. Right. The all the all of it. But, 
you know, even just living in London's like living in New York from everything I hear, it's even maybe even more expensive. So how do you justify all those kind of things and, and make that work? And then, yeah, how do you? It's interesting from my perspective it? that the NFL, uh, I think, is very much behind the NBA in terms of globalization. Yeah. And instead of maybe working on like a lot of marketing and, and spreading football because basketball is easier picked up in other countries, they're going to maybe be the first one to drastically go, we're just going to put a team there. They had NFL Europe. They had the developmental leagues over there. Yeah. I think it's crazy. I don't think they would ever be able to sign a free agent um, that's going to want to go there. Um, I just I think it's going to be – I think we are already complaining about how Thursday games are exhausting for players and ruins the product and waters it down. Now you're going to have one week a year, and for divisional teams – right. Two weeks a year, right? Or no, I mean they'd go there once. But yeah, what what is that? Were they going to be on an eight game road trip to get all the games away, and then do the eight games at home? Uh, I just think it's unfair, and I I would feel really bad for if it was an expansion team, the David Carr of that team that's going to be dropped in that franchise and go. Your career will never be the same because you're part of our guinea pig process. Yeah, like how do you do that? Like if they were the London Eagles, how are they going to play? Don't a, don't. Oh, I'm just saying. Like how do you do a West Coast trip right with that? Like how do you do that? How do you? Uh, you know, you got to play the AFC West this year. Oh, we're going to go back to London and California yeah. nine times during the year. Okay, yeah, good luck with that. I just don't understand how that would be the, fair. The worst part is they're going to wait until the Jaguars get good, and then they're going to be like, all right, now let's move the team. Well, what, what one thing you and I want changed even before the London thing. We talk about it during the year all the time, and Josh knows this too. Is like making West Coast teams play at one o'clock Eastern. That's it's fucked up. It's bullshit. They got to play I, a ten o'clock game. I know that game. next year I will be putting a lot of money on that. With yeah. the amount of times the game that comes to mind right away was Arizona getting their ass kicked by oh, Buffalo. Buffalo. Right. It's these West Coast teams that have to play at one o'clock, which is ten a.m. There. Yes. Uh, it's also interesting when the East Coast team goes to the West Coast team and they play that 8.30 game. So they're playing really until 2 in the morning in their body clocks. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, they're playing an 8.30 Eastern, Eastern time game, though. They're not playing until 2 in the morning. I mean, they're playing a normal night game. They're going, oh, you're right. You're better right, you're that right. way because it's no, 5.30 right. there. It's you know the what I mean? West Coast, East Coast, 1 o'clock yes, game. That's, that's the, really the, the most unfair. Right. Man. So did you know that Survivor wrapped up last week? Oh, well, an unbelievable finale. I mean, I know, I know this nothing. guy. Uh, By the way, I just want to give a shout-out to Leon Batchley, who consistently has been tweeting us, you have enough time to talk about Survivor. Please talk about the ele- – what was the question? Yeah, yeah, he wants us to do like a full 22-man roster. It's, of it's, what? Of uh, Hold on, let me pull up his question. It's going to take us a while to do that. What I'm I- saying is we might just do it before next week. Are so- we doing Facebook Live today? I think we are. It at might one be our o'clock? last. It might be our last. Is it at one o'clock though? I don't know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> eleven offense and eleven defense of players who are most fun to watch. Eleven offensive and eleven defensive players that are most yeah. fun to watch. So you do you do think a, we should do that for next episode? That, that would be kind of cool. All right, so we're going to so do it for so Leon. And we're going to keep it like position real, right? Like we're yeah, not going to put be, like Khalil Mack a D tackle. But I'm also going to be honest. I'm not doing offensive line. Okay. Like we can do our five best offensive linemen, but like. I, I personally like Jason Kelly's ability to pull. I find it really fun. <laughs> yeah, like, I get you. But Leon, 117, I promise you will do it. Now, with Survivor. that. Oh, Survivor. Oh, <laughs> baby. First <laughs> off, congratulations to Sarah on taking home season Was that 34. one of your three people? She was not. So oh, what a loser. I lost. I, yeah, I had three. <laughs> my three survivors all made the jury. I lost Sierra on a stupid decision, as I explained to you guys last week. I won't go into it again. Uh, I lost Sari <laughs> in one of the most historic tribal councils of all time. She was the first. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is there something funny? <laughs> yeah, Sari, the fact that it's like a part of history. Sari was the first ever survivor to be eliminated from the game without receiving a vote against her at tribal council. Wow. So basically at the tribal council that she was eliminated at in the finale last week, everyone else in the game had either a hidden immunity idol or some type of advantage that they played during that tribal council. So all of the people that were voted for were protected by their idols. So Sari was idled out of the game in what's now being referred to as Idolpocalypse uh, on the Survivor Internet message boards. I heard that, Is actually. this yeah. on uh, the Survivor I'm lying. I didn't Internet really message boards? I read Survivor Reddit, but there's a lot of Reddit. stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Sarah ended up winning. <laughs> she played a great game. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Sarah. I don't think a lot of people are just because her confessionals are kind of boring. 
but she played a good game. She backstabbed a lot of people. What she, was her What was her pro player comparison? What kind of NFL player oh man, was she? What was Sarah's pro player comparison? Well, how about this? Describe her actions and her strategy, and we'll tell you which OC she is. Her actions and her strategy were that she basically convinced everyone in the game that she was their best friend, mm. and then as soon as they trusted her, she backstabbed them and voted them out of the game. Interesting. So she controlled every vote post-merge. She always knew who was being voted out. She was never on the wrong side of a vote. Interesting. So Daryl Bevel. <laughs> That's no. your PPC. No, who, who is that coach that is everyone's best friend and is really stabbing them in the back? Gruden? <sighs> Gruden. <laughs> he nodded his head. <laughs> Gruden does have that reputation. Yes, he does. Uh, other, right. things, other things to note from the yeah, uh, please. Survivor finale. How could we miss? Changed up the format of final, final Tribal Council. It was no longer each jury member goes up and asks a question. It was more of an open forum where just everybody got to talk, air their <laughs> grievances, and it was an open conversation with the finalists. Really interesting. Got a lot of positive feedback. Ira from, uh, from Cook Shop yeah, was a man. huge fan of the format. And last thing I'll mention, Varner, the guy that outed Zeke, as oh. transgender during the reunion show following the finale. They whooped his ass? They didn't whoop his ass. Oh. They let him promote his book deal. He's writing oh. a book called, I think it's called like Surviving Shame or something about like how you deal with being on the wrong end of a traumatic situation. And Probst let him promote the book. That's uh, interesting. Completely inappropriate. In well, I opinion. think about, you remember the, the story about the PR professional that was on a plane to Africa and yes. tweeted out, about I'm going AIDS. to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Phone went off because she was up there. She landed and turned her phone back on, and it was like a worldwide trending thing. She was fired from her job. Like, she knew none of this. Right. And there has been a lot of think pieces that have been written her about her over the time yep. about how the internet... The, the way in which they shame people for a mistake, it, it can like ruin someone's life. And I've seen it now go the other way where a lot of people now are like, you should be like, they're going through a traumatic time when they completely brought that upon themselves. Right. We just saw this Indy 500. A writer was like, not to be personal, but it's I feel a little uncomfortable that a Japanese race car driver won on Memorial Day weekend. He was fired. Well, it's it's actually this. We saw this with the Manchester bombing, well, where a guy tweeted out Ariana Grande. Oh man, I know that I've wanted to die listening to her music. He was fired. Just don't go on fucking Twitter. Like, shut up, or in this case, out people for being yeah. transgender. So, what are you say, Sam? So no, that's actually like I, I this. Let's end the podcast because we've had enough. But that's actually it's funny that we talk about that because I also what drove me crazy is. When it goes the other way, too. And that this just jumped off because I texted Josh during the week like when, when A-Rod got the ABC I was gonna read, job. Yes. I was going to read your text. So what exactly did he get? Well, he's going to do like Good Morning America. So he's doing the Tiki Barber. He's, do, he's doing the Michael Strahan. Totally. He's, that's what he's doing. They but, really think he's a star. But which I don't, I'm not trying to hate on A-Rod. What I'm just more amazed of, of like what you just did there. Like there's certain people where the internet gets on them and they just crucify them, right? Yes. But then we have like a group of people in our country who have done bad things, and yet we put them on a pedestal. Like A-Rod's lied to our face. He's uh. cheated. He's lied again for a second time. He's cheated uh, and then lied again to our he's faces. He's filled with ego. But, man, he's got a great smile, and he I, I don't really understand it. And I just it's like an epidemic to me to where it's like uh, I almost feel like sometimes the worst you are as a human being at times in this country the more of a pedestal you're put on. And, you know, we could talk about Donald Trump in that manner or whatever. I'm not going to get political. But even Kim Kardashian, you're the most famous girl ever. I mean, that's it. just to me, I don't understand where the line is drawn. To sometimes. that point, uh, I want to talk quickly about, <laughs> about that was an interesting one. Uh, Tiger Good Woods. Good luck with the edit there. Tiger Woods. Yes. What did you think when you saw Tiger Woods' mugshot yeah. over Memorial Day weekend? Uh, I, I, I did feel bad. Um, I will. I will say this: When he first released the statement, I was like, You're like "Bullshit!" bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and then it came out that he actually had no zero, alcohol. zero, zero. Right. I want to know why he was in his car at three a.m. Why he, was, he go was going the wrong direction? And because apparently the pills were kicking. I mean, apparently, yes. So I have, but two, I two do opinions. feel bad. One, Tiger. Yeah. Stay out of cars on holiday weekends. Oh, seriously. Thanksgiving yeah. was the other one, right? Yes. <laughs> Do this at six o'clock on a Friday when it gets buried. But instead, he always gets in trouble when we're there with our families with nothing to talk about because after three days of eating hot dogs and hamburgers, we're bored. And then he's there. And then I get his mug shot. Number two. 
I said this to my parents because they're like, wow, he really looks like he's in a bad spot. It's, it's really troubling that he's going through all this stuff. It's interesting to me that, one, when you have a mugshot that comes out, everyone thinks that your life is lived with that face. Yeah. Like, everyone's like, man, did you see how awful he looks? Yeah, he had a mugshot. Like, I have yet to see anyone have a mugshot where I go, look at, I mean, look he at looks my great. mugshot, everybody. I mean, Google I, my mugshot. Tell me how I look. And then the second thing I was going to say about with, with pertaining to you. Yeah. This is, it's not a domestic violence. Right. It is not a crime. He has not had fraud. Yeah. It is not something that I believe indicates that he has been living a bad life. I find a DUI to be very confounding to me towards public opinion. Yes. You have one moment at one time where you were pulled over. Where Memorial Day weekend, I would say a lot of our listeners, a lot of people had something to drink and decided to get behind the week of a call, car, behind the wheel of a car. But we treat this one night as though as an indicator that you have been living the wrong way. I know. There's all these other crimes that I think are more like, wow, you were scamming people? Wow, you were hitting somebody? And wow, you're all these people that judge have all drank and drive. They've all done it. Gonna... They have all done it. Right. And I just think it's interesting that you get caught one time and then people believe, huh, man, he's been living a real shit life lately. Kind of. I don't know. And then everyone goes, well, he needs a driver. You know, I mean, of course, I agree. And there's Uber and all, there's all that stuff. I just think that I do not see a direct correlation between someone getting a DUI and having been really in the dumps lately. No. I think that you could have a DUI and have been living in a crazy life and been like, I'm fine, but we immediately judge. I just think that the DUI spectrum is weird to me. It's an interesting conversation. You're right. It's very, like, it's, uh, I thought about that, like, the driver like if an nfl player that's rich and has a good contract he gets a dui and doesn't have a driver that's all i hear about mm. but for some reason with the golfer it wasn't as big of a deal i don't know mm. are they seemed more responsible just because they like carry a nine iron in their hand i just i would just um, be in a golf cart all the time uh, I, I mean th- that is to me too and then you're i mean you're right too about the, just the whole yeah, it's it's see, it, people make, it like makes a, your whole look, looks like you're on a downward spiral. I get it. Yeah, I I do think like a little racism's involved in it. I'm sorry, but I, I really do too. Because listen, I even the way Tiger's first incident with his wife was handled and all that, how that became a big deal. I can't tell you how many white guys I know in the NFL or in professional sports that are prominent figures who don't live a great life outside off the field either, and the media knows it, but they never report about it. Mm. But with certain guys, it's okay to. And with Tom, I mean, uh, not with Tom Brady, but with Tiger Woods, it well, seemed to be okay to just Once we him. saw Tiger's blemishes, we fetishized, fetish, fetishized? I've never heard fetishized. I don't know the word. I'm glad that you're... It's when you make a fetish out of it, like you're obsessed with it, yeah. of Tiger's blemishes, because it was so shocking to us. And I think once we see a black eye on somebody, we become obsessed with that. Charlie yeah. Sheen, we were obsessed with that. Kanye, Bieber, celebrity. We love seeing once they go down, what else was wrong? Right. What else were they right. doing? OJ. We, we become obsessed with that. Uh, I, I just think it's interesting. But I, I do not think there's race in terms of DUI. I think that if there was an Aaron Rodgers DUI or a Ben Roethlisberger DUI or, yeah. a, God forbid, a Tom Brady DUI where he looked a mess people be like what's really going on in his life <laughs> when really what if that was the one day it happened yeah i get it I yeah know. i just i'm interested what were the other quick topics that he texted you about uh the only other thing he wanted to talk about was harbaugh and brandon jacobs oh that's all right well we can well i know you hate harbaugh yeah i just not a hardball fan i know how he treated those 49ers coaches out there and i understand harbaugh being I mean, uh, brandon jacobs has a personal issue with it I, there's nothing I, I got nothing else to add to that i mean yeah Uh, Let's do this now because by the time this comes out, the finals will be starting. Uh, Who is your pick? I want to start off with Fendrick. Uh, I want the team. I want the amount of games. I want the MVP. I'm going Cavs in seven, LeBron. Cavs in seven, LeBron. A nice hearty guess. I I can't pick the Golden. I mean, if you really made me bet money, I would bet with Golden State. Like if I really was on my last dollars, yeah. I am rooting so hard for the Cavs. I'm going Cavs in seven with LeBron as the MVP. And I well. am going to go Warriors in six yeah. with uh, Durant. Right. I, I I almost feel like if the Cavs don't steal game one, there's no way they win the series. Yeah, it's so interesting because last year they're down three one. They figured it out. I know. Uh, I think what's really interesting is you can learn about what people think about LeBron by how they make their predictions. When I hear people go Warriors and four, 
man, you just have no respect for the best player of all time. I just, I do not think that's possible. There's no way. I just, I, I don't think either too. team sweeps. I mean, he, he, they couldn't sweep him when he didn't have Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving on the floor. They couldn't. He just took it over. I mean, that was that was one of the greatest. That's what that's always going to bother me about the whole conversation, LeBron and Michael. Michael was the favorite in every one of his finals. Le- LeBron is going to be the underdog six out of eight finals, right? Man. And had injuries in certain one of them. Yeah, did he blow that first Mavericks one? Sure, yes, I'll say that. But, man, I mean, that one that they lost to Golden State the first time around, that was the greatest individual performance maybe we've ever seen. Iguodala won the MVP, but there was a very large contingent of people saying LeBron should yes. be the MVP. Yes. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out to uh, Nick Wright for coming on. I thought he brought the fire. He and did. He's awesome. Uh, 117, Leon Batchley. We are going to do it. I promise it. Uh, guys, keep with the comments. It's been a lot of help for getting our podcast noticed on iTunes. And as always, keep sharing. We appreciate it. For Fendrick. Hey, Adam, how are you going to follow the NBA Finals this year? Uh, what I'm going to do is I enjoy following not just the games, but all the stories around the games. And there's no place that brings that to you better than then? the Bleacher Report app, oh. the BR app, where you can get the culture, you can get the content. And you can also get just incredible coverage. That's a <laughs> that was a really good promo. Thanks. BR app. Download it today. Available in the App Store and wherever Android people get their apps. <laughs> <laughs> Fedrick for Fedrick. Good night, everybody. For Sims. Peace out, homies. All right. We love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day.